To me, the most important thing that you can do is have an amazing onboarding experience from day one. It is your job as a company to give someone an amazing experience getting them up to speed. But many times the reason that companies struggle in these scaling phases is they just don't set people up for success. These people could be solid B players. You're not giving them the, the framework. I think one of the big problems that I see with one-on-ones and team meetings is they're all about the pipeline and they're not enough about the people. You don't have a choice. You have to be investing in technology. Like again, or you're going to continue to be that old school, 45, 50 year old person. Well, I'm just going to sales train people. Like, yeah, like that's part of it, man, but you're, you're just missing. Bringing the fun day back to your Monday. Your Audible Investment is our weekly source for information, inspiration, and innovative discussions with some of North America's best and brightest. We cover the questions and tackle the topics that are important to this ever-evolving workplace. So embrace the raw, enjoy the real, and capitalize on our conversations. Welcome to Workplace Evolved, brought to you by Versature. Former VP of Sales at Glassdoor, Jake Dunlap is the founder and CEO at Scaled, a New York-based modern sales consulting firm that helps companies scale effectively and efficiently. With offices in both Manhattan and Austin, Texas, Scaled has led by example over the last five years with their own internal and external growth, and they remain a top leading contender in the high-performance sales landscape throughout North America. Welcome back to the conversation here on Workplace Evolved. My name is Hartley Parents. This month, our series is appropriately titled Keeping the Wind in Your Sales, an in-depth look into the development and evolution of high-performance sales organizations. Joining us on the show today to speak about uh, his experiences on the subject is Jake Dunlap. He's the founder and CEO at a New York-based company called Scaled. Welcome to the conversation, Jake. Great to have you on Workplace Evolved. Um, before I, uh, I launch into these questions I've got for you here, do you want to tell our listeners and, and myself uh, maybe just a brief history of, uh, of what Scaled is and, and what you folks do there? Yeah, I'd be happy to and, and very excited. Looking forward to the dialogue today. I know we had a few technical difficulties, so it's, it's always good to just jump into it, my friend. So, you know, look, uh, a little bit about my background. So I was a, I've been in sales for the last 15 years held various sales, sales leadership roles. And, you know, if you kind of fast forward to, to what, 2010, when I took over as the vice president of sales at Glassdoor, that was really kind of my look under the hood of what it's like to be a VP of sales in kind of this rapid growth tech environment. Um, and from that experience and then moving over, taking over a few other sales VPs and leadership jobs, what I realized was what many companies need at different stages of growth is more and more and more about scaffolding and process and structure and you need dramatically different things as you scale so when you're when you're scaling quickly when you're going from you know 20 to your first 100 100 to your first 500 you need these dramatically different things and so what i what i saw is instead of going in-house and doing it for one company is there a way to provide kind of support services to sales and marketing leaders as they're going through these challenges so really i started scaled from my own experience as a VP of sales and seeing the opportunity that, man, what, what I really could have used is like a number two, an organization that really understood how to help me kind of grow and to scale my own org. So 
we started scaled with that idea. You know, fast forward to today, we're actually uh, in Austin and New York now. We have about 22 people between full-time and full-time uh, contractors. So we've grown really, really rapidly over the last couple of years. And I think really a lot of that is due to more and more sales teams being open to you know, support as opposed to just sales training. And, and I think traditionally that's been the one arrow in the quiver that a lot of sales and marketing teams have had is like we bring in a sales trainer and then that person leaves. They don't get the results that they want to see. And so I think, you know, the, the tides are changing where companies feel, you know, stronger and stronger about supporting the sales leader. And so, you know, that's been, that's been responsible for a lot of our growth and um, just doing a lot of really kind of cool, weird, interesting stuff. That's fantastic, Jake. I think the support aspect is is huge. I think that's really big and in, in, in companies trying to more or less really kind of hone in on their support skills rather than look for, for new fish in the barrel kind of thing. Like, you know, focus on what you've got internally and work with that and, you know, mold your teams and, and your your processes into the, you know, the best way it can be as opposed to, you know, trying to find what works and what doesn't, you know? Exactly right. Because because that's what happens in our, in our in our like startup world, right, is the VCs say, we've got to hire internally. We have to hire this person and now now we need this person and then we need this person. It's like, well, no, this this person could probably get there if you gave them two seconds as opposed to your average tenure of your first VP of sales, 18 months, right? And I'd say that that's on the high end side. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's nine months, sometimes it's three years, right? 18 months is the average. And, and the reason is you just don't know what you need. No. And so if you can help to support the people that you have, it's kind of a no brainer. And I think it's just changing the VC mindset that VCs have a play and they try to run that play on every single company. And more and more sales leaders are waking up to this, like, if I go and take another sales leader job, what's going to happen, dude? Guess what? Two years, you're fired. <laughs> Three years, you're fired. I don't care how good you are. Yeah. And so I think more and more people are waking up to like, there's good consulting out there that can actually help you grow without having to deal with all that pain and issues from when you hire a bunch of people full time and they don't work. And, and that causes so much stress on the organization as opposed to working with someone like us or you know, there's a lot of people in like this ether. So I think it's, it's just a, a trend of kind of it's played out enough to where people see like maybe there's, there's an alternative. Exactly. Um, and you know, it's funny, you, you gave me the intro on, on the business and everything and, and indirectly you pretty much answered my first question, which I was going to say, what opportunities or challenges did you discover from previous experiences that kind of, you know, helped, uh, just develop the, <laughs> the business model for, for scaled. But, uh, that answers that 100%. So, well, uh, yeah, well, I mean, look, we, we've had a few different business models, right? Like as a, as a small, you know, business that's been growing, we've tried a lot of different things, you know, outsource lead gen. There's been a, it's been a long path to kind of get focused, but I think just like any business as we've focused, the business has grown. And now, you know, we are a sales strategy and consulting firm and, and we're owning the word consulting. Whereas before, I think we shied away from it just because of the connotations. And now, you know, again, we're, we're focused on working with companies over three, four, five, six month periods, really helping to serve as an extension of their team, both strategically and tactically. So it's, it's been working. While we're on the, on the subject of, of, of you know, how, how performance is going, um, um, what are your key performance indicators? Uh, how do you measure success and the success of your team? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a great question. You know, I, I think there's vanity metrics and then there's real metrics. And I think for a long time, as, as companies are growing, some of the vanity metrics are things like headcount. I think, you know, a vanity metric is I have 10, 15, 20, 30, 50, 60 employees. Um, which it, it really isn't a leading indicator to much of anything, just other than like you were able to get people to join you and pay them money. <laughs> um, 
you know, to us, the leading indicators are always top of funnel, meaning, you know, we at this point, having been in business for five and a half years, we know that if we have X amount of inputs from X sources, we have an idea of what the outputs from the, you know, the, the factory are going to look like. So for us, it's really looking at the top of the funnel metrics and qualified opportunities. And then for us and our business, our business is all about retention and growth, right? So we want to be able to retain companies after our initial project and then be able to grow with them. So I would say those are, kind of, those are the metrics that I'm most laser focused on is, are we making sure that we have the right types of opportunities at the top of the funnel? And then are we providing an amazing experience for our clients where they want to continue to work with us until, you know, it's time for them to kind of fly out of the, the coop? Like a long-term. Or the nest. I guess you don't really fly out of a coop. Chickens kind of stay in there. But Well, you, you hope they don't fly out, right? That's, that's Yeah, you, I, you get the analogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I hear what you're saying. Obviously, the, the longer you can keep clients on and, and the more you can help them grow, I mean, obviously, that just totally justifies exactly what you do, right? You know, I mean, in, in essence, if, if, you know, clients want to stay with you and they, they, they see the benefit of staying on with you and then, you know, that's a great way to measure, you know, how the business is being run. Well, exactly. And, and it's about results, right? Like the beautiful part about marketing and sales is like, if in three months, like we stuck, guess what? Like you kind of know it, right? And so for us, like the beautiful part is the, the outcomes that we're moving toward are more tangible. And I think that's what separates us. And just, I think that's what separates good consulting or good training from bad consulting and bad training. Like, are you looking at it from a result standpoint? Or are you looking at it from a, did you accomplish this set of deliverables that you said that you would accomplish? whether it moved the needle on the business or not. What other types of, uh, of incentives or rewards do you offer your team other than financial gain, obviously, such as commissions? Because, um, I mean, you guys are, are sales, but also consultants as well. What attracts uh, the top players, your organization? Yeah, I think I'll talk about my organization, and then I'll talk also about our clients too, because, okay. you know, our clients are some of the you know, fastest growing companies in tech or more established companies that are trying to kind of bring, you know, innovation in-house. You know, for us... I, I put a post up about this a few weeks ago. Um, to me, the most important thing that you can do is have an amazing onboarding experience from day one. Meaning what the, the one part of the process, I feel like we, we probably don't do that good of a job on the interview process. So I'll, I can talk a little bit about that. But I feel like it is your job as a company to give someone an amazing experience getting them up to speed. And I think because... In sales in particular, we're like, well, they're salespeople. Like, they've done some sales stuff before. Like, they'll just figure it out. And then, you know, your first 20 people, only five or 10 of them make it. And you wonder why. And it's, you know, the analogy I always use is like, would you ever hire a developer? And we're like, uh, yeah, they know Python. Like, yeah, let them loose on the site. Like, no, of course not. Like, you teach them your code base. You document how you guys write code. Like, you would do all that stuff. But for sales, we wait usually way too long. And then we wonder why ramp times are so long. We wonder why turnover is so high. And, you know, again, you, you know, the, the best of the best people can overcome a bad onboarding. But many times the reason that companies struggle in these scaling phases is they just don't set people up for success. These people could be solid B players. You're not giving them the, the frame right to, to be successful. So to me, whether it's at scale or for our clients, I think it's the combination of the, having a rock solid interviewing and hiring process to where everyone's in line and you try to remove emotion from the process as much as possible, but really making sure that you're setting people up for success. I, I just can't over index on that enough that, you know, it doesn't take that long to put together a good onboarding plan and the results will pay off almost immediately. That's awesome. And, and, you know, and, and I, I agree completely. I think we, we have uh, a big part of, you know, our on, 
our onboarding process here, whether it's our customers or, or our people. I mean, that, I know that's a huge thing, um, you know, for our, for our, for our, uh, our overhead right down to our, you know, our customer success managers, our sales, every point of contact, whether it's again for our customers or the people that are coming on board here, you know, we, we make it as, as, as transparent as possible, but you know, we also, you know, work with the, the existing teams and, and we show everybody, you know, this is how, how the company runs, you know, um, but this is kind of, you empower your staff to, to, to become, you know, the best that they can be, but, you know, utilizing the tools and the tricks and the trade, you know, everything that's been encompassed this whole time. Um, and, and then, you know, showing that trying to over yeah, don't, that, don't make know? them go figure it all out. Exactly. Like, you know, a lot of sales trains, like listening and shadowing, like, as opposed to like, here's the process documented now go listen for that in action and make it your own. You know, that's, that's the, the issue is that they think you think that salespeople learn through like, you know, just listening and shadowing. And it's just not true. You know, salespeople need, most salespeople want structure, like they expect you to have it. Structure is, is key. It's, it's, it's a great foundation for anything, right? I mean, without structure, you don't have, you know, you just fall apart. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and you kind of, you kind of actually, you've touched on this a, a little bit uh, already, but uh, you, you guys at Scaled, you do more than just obviously provide sales strategies. You also work as consultants and advisors. That is, you know, the, the, the core of what you do. Um, and I wonder how that dynamic changes uh, the approach when attracting new business. Like you guys aren't just, you know, salespeople, you're, you're, you're people that help, you're, you legitimately help people become better people, you know, I'm um, uh, people helping people. Like I'd this. like to think so. Well, I, like I, I, that's, that's the way I would look at it. Um, <laughs> How, how does that open the door for different types of opportunities for you guys? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the interesting part I was getting as I was, was thinking about this, you know, the difference is people are buying the people they're interacting with. So like our team facilitates that and myself and, and others on the team facilitate that. But at the end of the day, you've got to believe in the person. But, but honestly, I don't think that's any different than a SaaS sale or a normal sale. Like the people, the experience of, who you buy from is just as important as the experience of as the company and the solution. Cause I got to trust you, especially if you're buying an enterprise software, you're buying a bigger ticket item. I've got to trust that, man, this guy's going to actually deliver on what he says or she says. So in our business, it's maybe a little bit more linear. Like we are, you know, we have humans that are going to be working with you, but I, I think that there's a lot of parallels between other businesses that, especially when it comes to sales, that the, the trust that I have in you that you're going to be able to deliver on what you or your product says is just as important as what I believe the product can or can't do. So for us, it's, it's a lot about how do we set our people up to position themselves in the best light possible? How do we show our expertise and our versatility in terms of our knowledge base? Um, but at the end of the day, it's, there's a, there, an interaction point as well, too. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't beat that out. Uh, you're always gonna, you know, that, that human connection is always gonna trump out, you know, anything people always buy from, from humans. You know, we, we buy from, from, from the interaction, from the experience we have with people. We don't, we don't, I mean, some of us buy based on other things, but predominantly you, you, you hope that you buy based on, you know, the, the rapport developed within, you know, the relationship. Yeah. There's, so, there's some of that. Like I don't need to be friends with everyone that buys from me, No, but, but, they, but, but, but but they need to understand the value and, and there needs to be enough relationship in place to where there's, you know, I think there's a difference. People confuse the difference between respect and, and relationship. And there's a respect level that you have to desire. And hopefully, yeah, of course we, we have great personal relationships too, but you know, I think as long as you can respect and trust the person, I think those, those are the key things that, and then that, that goes back to your question before about employees and what do they need to have? You know, you look for people that are going to, 
you know, build trust and inspire confidence in, a, in an authentic and genuine way, as opposed to a, you know, philosophical or, you know, off the cuff type of way. Yeah. Authenticity value. I, I hear you hundred percent. Yeah. That, that's, that's, cr that's critical for us. I mean, for our consultants, if they don't have those two things, I don't care how good they are at the job. I don't care how many teams they've built. I don't care how good they are. Any hint of inauthenticity or issues, it's just a non-starter. And obviously look, we've learned that, you know, through growing pains, but it's it's one of the most critical pieces because then I know that we can get real feedback from them. They can get real real feedback from us, and we can just move a lot faster. Don't fake it till you make it. Just be real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing: know when to fake it and when not to. Know yeah. when to say like, "Look, I don't know. Let me go get someone who's smarter than me." Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, kind of know your lane and know your wheelhouse, and feel free to kind of like you know scribble around the edges a little bit, but also know when like just raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, Nobody exactly. expects you to know everything. Know when it's time to, to put that hand up and to be like, oh, yeah, I might need exactly. help here. Um, according to a recent article published on Salesforce.com titled Seven Traits of High Performance Sales Culture, they say that, and I quote, coaching your sales team to success requires consistent communication with your reps through regularly scheduled team meetings uh, in addition to one-on-one -on -one discussions. As this is a relatively common tactic for many high-performance sales environments, many sales environments in general, um, how do you utilize your team at scale as a resource for internal collaboration and development? Yeah, yeah, and I'll, let me just try to comment on that in particular. I, I, what I, the issue is with one-on-ones and team meetings today is I think sales leaders are lazy. And why I say that is they coach to a pipeline and many times the one-on-one -on -one or the meetings become about the sales leader getting information that if they weren't so lazy, they could just go get it themselves. If they had better rigor in how reps forecasted and there was better structure in place, you don't need to waste the reps time going through things that sh you should just get off your butt and just go look at the report yourself and dashboard in Salesforce. So what, where I feel like the issue is in the disconnect with sales one-on-ones is I'm not saying you shouldn't be working with your reps on deals. Of course you should, but you also need to understand the other side for us, especially frontline sales leadership. You know, there's kind of two one-on-ones that, that we train teams to have, you know, kind of as table stakes. One is a goals one-on-one -on -one. only talk about you, why are you here? What are your motivations? What do you want to get out of this experience? Forget the pipeline, forget that stuff. And so I think, I think one of the big problems that I see with one-on-ones and team meetings is they're all about the pipeline and they're not enough about the people, right? Each person is in their own different path on like their journey to becoming an amazing seller or not working at your organization, which is an amazing path too. Some of my like best wins as a frontline manager that I remember are like getting people to like go get their MBA, or like start a fruiton business, which is like a, like a fruiton and fruit combined, going to be a DJ. Like, dude, like I want to get you on your path, my man. Like whether it's here and you're growing as a professional or it's like you're paying down credit card debt, you're buying a house, you're buying a car. Like I don't care what it is. So I think too, too often sales leaders get lazy and just look at the spreadsheet and don't invest enough in the people. So to me, the one-on-ones that drive impact are those goals one-on-ones. As you start to understand the path for that individual person, and then the other is account strategy one-on-ones, where again, we're not talking about pipeline. Instead, what we're talking about is, hey, here's three or four accounts you've been trying to break into. Let's put together a plan of attack of how we're going to go do that. And, and what that starts to train them to do is by the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth one that you do is, is they're on your team, they then start to come to you with a strategy. Here's the four accounts we're going to talk about. Here's my plan. And you're like, that's exactly right. And then guess what? Now they go and apply that to every single one of their accounts. They already know the play they know how to run it as opposed to having these pipeline meetings with you every single week where you have to teach them how to troubleshoot. You have to teach them how to fish. 
And so just constantly talking about pipeline is not what you should be doing as a sales manager. It's lazy. Like you need to be investing in your people. Every person is different. Everyone's on a different path. And that's, I mean, obviously that's universal. It's not just sales, but I think sales is easier to manage to metrics than other parts of the business. So for me, you know, when I hear that, I'm like, absolutely one-on-one -on -one time is important, but the key is it, is it, are you leveling up that individual? Are you focused on that individual as opposed to um, just their pipeline? So sorry to kind of uh, go off on a pulp, uh, get on my pulpit there, but it's just something I'm really passionate about that I just, I, I see it in so many organizations that so many organizations just do not spend enough time on the people as opposed to the, the pipeline. Honestly, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up, Jake, because you, you you nailed it like right on the head. And I've I've worked in in sales environments that are, you know, toxic and just they're doing exactly what you talk about. You know, they've been taught the same sales rhetoric for years, and that's how they were managed. And then they get into that role, and they just continue the same vicious cycle. And it just it doesn't doesn't help anyone. In fact, it scared me away from sales because then you're you're not confident in your abilities. You're just worried about making your numbers. Um, and and you know you talk about the metrics and stuff being on the walls. We're we're in an age now where technology is all around us. Everybody, everybody who's you know really up with the technology should be utilizing dashboards. So everything, sh all your metrics, all your cap, everything should be right there for your people to, for everyone in the organization to see here. You don't need to, to have these scheduled one-on-ones to say, okay, have you, have you made your numbers this week? Have you done this? Have you done that? You know, it, exactly. Invest in the people. We're all different. We all do things. Everybody does stuff yeah. differently. It doesn't mean like one system is going to work great for everybody in the organization. You know, I, I just, you just nailed it right on the head, man. Thank you. Yeah. And the key is like, and, and, and even if it, within the system, each person's at, at, at different level of execution against that system, right? Like you might be at a step two, Johnny's at a step three, even if, you know, in terms of like proficiency or excellence at a part of that sales process. So that's why, again, like we're big fans of having a you know, very structured kind of sales process, but really it's understanding where each person is at, at each different piece, not the sales process as a whole, but where, what, are they, what are they good at at like each of these six components? So yeah, I, I think it's just one of the most undervalued um, skills in, in sales leaders. And it's why many times great salespeople don't make great sales leaders. You don't have to be a great sales person to be able to understand how to coach and manage. And again, those are the type of people who refer to like being a leader as babysitting. But right? those are the people who think, why does Johnny Smith need this help? I didn't need this help. Why does Susie... Henderson need this help. I don't need this help or I didn't need it. And, I, and by the way, I'm talking from experience. I was probably that guy for the first year. I sucked. Like my team performed, but I would throw pins at people. Like I was bad, right? Like from a leadership standpoint, like we performed, but man, it was from like just brute force. So uh, I think it, it's, it's definitely something that you can learn to do. Um, but I think it's why newly promoted managers tend to fall into that mindset of babysitting as opposed to understanding, no, it's my job to add value. I'm, I'm at the bottom of this pyramid, lifting everyone up. I'm not at the top where everyone's reporting into me. That's awesome, Jake. Inverted awesome. pyramid, inverted pyramid, lifting up. Love the enthusiasm and the the real aspect of this because you know this 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 is this is exactly what I wanted to get out of these conversations. You know, you know, I've got a set list of questions and everything like that. But when we go off on on the real and the raw and you know the that's exactly those are the insights that I want to get out of this. This is exactly right, the right. information that I want to share with people, and that's the value that that we Let's provide. So that is beautiful, man. Um, how has technology influenced the way that you do business, or better yet? What foreseeable changes do you expect as we continue to leverage more service technologies and platforms? Man, it is 
it is the like bar none the most exciting time to ever be in sales and marketing right now like it is awesome right and if you look at over the last three years four years we've went from like a hundred technologies in sales to a thousand yeah. right whether it's new ways to find contact information new ways to predict accounts new ways to engage with people new ways to listen into calls and pull out insights I mean, again, there's literally now almost like literally almost a thousand sales technologies that exist. So to me, technology, it used to be, look, you know, you rewind four or five years ago, most sales teams looked at it te technology as Salesforce and they hate it. They're like, oh my God, it's Salesforce. Like I like, so I think the, the issue though, the, the problem that that legacy behavior has created is many sales leaders who are now sales leaders, sales directors, VPs of sales, they've kind of carried nuances of that with them throughout their career. And they're not thinking, they're not understanding like, that's cool that five years ago it sucked. It doesn't suck now. It's awesome. And there are so many different te sales technologies, sales loft, outreach, um, there's Everstream, uh, Discover Org. Like those are kind of, kind of some of like, the, the more like what I would call like table stakes one, you know, gong chorus that can allow you to just so empower your frontline team, your frontline leaders, your directors, um, and then as, as a VP um, to, to enable them to be more effective and more efficient. So when you ask this question, it's literally like the most exciting question to me, which is sales technology is changing the way that you build sales teams. No longer is, is the only solution I have to inflect revenue, throw more bodies at it. You know, it's like Johnny, Johnny Smith and every Johnny Smith is a 250,000. Therefore, if I have 15 Johnny Smiths, I get to X number. Instead, like I can inflect revenue growth on smaller teams now by making individuals more productive and more, not just, not just efficient. Another problem that we went through with sales technology is we over-index on efficiency versus effectiveness. It was like, I can do more things with this tool and, so we kind of flooded the market with a lot of emails. So that's, that's kind of one trend. The other trend to me is social. And what I mean by social, we've kind of went through this social selling 1.0, which is like use LinkedIn to engage with people, research them. That's not really what I, I think the future is. The future to me for sales and, and SDR teams and anybody doing outbound is actually, if you go and look at what recruiters do, if you look at what good recruiters do, what they do is they got, they connect with a bunch of people in their little world they nurture those people over years and they just go back to those same relationships over and over again. I think LinkedIn has, has really is in the very beginning stages of making a pivot from being purely a talent site to being a sales site and, and being a place where you connect for your news and for your business and what that really means for sales teams. And again, we we're doing this for our clients. Literally, this is, this is new because I think the light bulb has just went on for us. We're helping people to rewrite their LinkedIn profiles to stop being a resume and instead showing them as the industry leader. Like imagine if, I, if I'm in oil and gas and I want to come and buy from you, right? And I'm like, John Smith went to President's Club 800 times and he hit quota 45 times. Like you just reached out to me on LinkedIn. You connected me on LinkedIn. I go to your profile and that's what I see. I see that you are an expert leader in blah, blah, blah technology. Do you think I give a shit? Do you think I care? No. Uh, instead, imagine if instead you rewrote your LinkedIn profile to be like expertise in this areas of oil and gas, thinking about these future training topics in your space. I think we're going to see a massive shift to where me as an SDR or someone doing outbound, 
more and more of my job early in my career, early at that company, the first two or three months is going to be to build a little connection group with my prospects, connect with them, give authentically, share, not a bunch of product stupid stuff like, oh, did you see this new thing? Instead, I think it's going to look a lot like a recruiter did. A recruiter, right? If you look at what kind of that business looks like, they go, they build a Rolodex of people of this type of job. And, and LinkedIn kind of gives salespeople an opportunity to do that. So to me, those are the two big trends. You have sales technology. And again, as, as leaders, and if you're a CEO or whatever role, if you're not looking at the technology stack, you know, we've got teams that are spending $500, $600, $1,000 a month per rep because the games are stupid. You've got to stop looking at technology and sales as a, as a defense, as a, as a spend, as opposed to an investment. Right. And then I think social, I think LinkedIn, candidly, I think LinkedIn right now is the most important, you know, in this idea of, you know, connecting as a salesperson, as opposed to like, this is my resume, I think is the biggest underutilized thing that anybody who's doing any type of, even if you're building your business, even if you're a CEO, you should be thinking about it the exact same way. Um, I think it's the most underutilized resource right now. So sales tech and, and this are just literally, it's, it's two of the things I'm most passionate about. That's fantastic, um, you know, and and obviously a lot of it, a lot of it, I think, is about embracing that change too. You know, embracing those technologies, right? You know, because you have to. That's exactly it's it, right? Good, dude. You can put, you can't put your head in the sand. Like they exist. Like you know what I mean? Like you can't just sit here and say like, oh uh, yeah, I know that works for Johnny Smith, like that org, but not for ours. Like no, dude, it works for them. Yeah. You don't have a choice. You have to be investing in technology, like again, or you're going to continue to be that old school, 45, 50 year old person. Well, I'm just going to sales train people like, yeah, like that's part of it, man, but you're, you're just missing. I don't know about that internet thing. I don't think it's going to catch on, you know, <laughs> or that social media thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, I don't give a shit. If you're 55 and you don't believe in Facebook or you don't believe in Instagram, I don't really care because guess what? Everyone else does. Yeah. And like, you as a sales leader, you have got to have that mindset. You cannot keep thinking that like, well, I don't believe in it. Dude, if that's where your buyer's attention is, you have to be where it is. And I think Facebook and Instagram for business is also a super underutilized resource for certain industries that, you know, fashion, retail, um, e-com, other things where look, dude, engaging with your buyers on Instagram, that's where they live all day. Mm -hmm. They live on Facebook. Yep. Do you know how cheap Instagram and Facebook ads are right now? I mean, dude, they're $3, $5, $6. You want to be where the attention of your people is. LinkedIn to me is where kind of the hub is for mo most people, but a lot of industries, I think Facebook and Instagram can be a really good place. And, uh, you know, that's something we utilize here quite a bit. And that's, that's actually a role that I've kind of even recently taken over here is just our, our social comms and trying to, you know, push more stuff out. Love it. Listen, not, not even so much as, 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 as push, but just listen to the conversations, listen to what's happening, you know, in, in those channels and those platforms and just kind of, you know, find out where your place fits in there you know i only have one last question for you here jake it's 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 a three-parter though maybe uh <laughs> what are your three best tips or tactics uh for an organization or a team who may be looking to increase their sales output but are unsure if a consultant or an advisor is right for them what are the telltale signs to look for one is do you do you have the expertise internally to get to that next stage and then once you've kind of went through that, if the answer is, well, kind of, but we could use support, then the next thing is, can we afford to wait to hire someone full-time? Because by the way, that is a totally okay option for a lot of people. Like you should, there, there are certain times where like, we will tell you like, no, 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 like you need to hire someone. Sure, we can get you through this little gap for a couple of months, but 
let's start the interview process immediately. So to me, it's really just being very honest about the core capabilities of the team today and being honest about when you need to try to drive results and then making sure that you find people that are also aligned and want, and want to align to your shared definition of what success looks like. And I think that, that that goes for any consulting, any training, any outside advisor, party you're going to work with. It's, are they aligned from day one with where you want to go and is now the right time? Because I'll also tell you, there's also a time when you should not hire us. You shouldn't hire any consultants or any trainers. You should instead just spin it yourself. You know, whenever really early stage companies come to us, you know, there's times when it makes sense for us to engage other times where, you know, look, you as a founder, you as a CEO, um, you need to have an appreciation or at least understanding of the sales motion. Do not expect to be able to outsource that to some VP of sales hire and then be happy or satisfied. If you don't have an appreciation or at least some understanding for it, um, it's going to be really difficult. So many times we'll say, look, you need to go and understand what that motion looks like. So, you know, the right type of team to scale, you might already have five or 10 people, but you need to continue to grow your current customer base and maybe learn a little bit more and, and take some of those hard knocks before you move forward. And so for us, timing is everything, you know, you got to kind of be ready. It's got to make sense. And again, I think many times what consultants and trainers can do is just be be the scaffolding to kind of get you through to that next layer without having to have that dip that almost inevitably happens. You know, so it's like, look, yeah, you don't want to go and spend 30,000, 40,000, $50,000 a month on a bunch of full times, but man, if we could get a shot in the arm that would help us to get some of that support for three or four months, like it, maybe it makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. I mean, again, each company is kind of in their own like weird place. So um, I think that's it, man. Just make sure that you align with the people you align with the vision and at the timing is good. It doesn't have to be perfect, um, but that the timing is good. Just like people, every company's different, right? It's a hundred percent, right? And that's it. Like, how do you, and, and, and I think maybe just to add the last thing, and are they going to customize it to your business, right? Or is this some out of the box solution? Don't get me wrong. We have kind of our, our processes and methodologies with that said, that's 60 to 80% of it. Uh, you know, the 20 to 40 to 50% is your business and, and the, people that you have, you know, most of our job in sales in consulting isn't even the sales process side. It's just change management, man. It's yeah. just behavior change. Definitely. Um, and so for us, that, that's a really important piece too. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you uh, so much for that, Jake. Cause that's uh, you know, you really, you really hit everything and, and you went into the, you know, the, the, the real insight behind you're, you're very, you're very real person, you know, and I, I just, I, I appreciate you so much for, for chatting with us here. Good, because, man. You know, this has been absolutely incredible. This has been very insightful and I'm, I'm really hope that uh, our listeners get something out of this. I definitely did. Um, awesome, so man. after, at the end of every show, uh, and as we have been doing a couple, a uh, couple plugs on LinkedIn here, I usually uh, tell people if they want to connect with any of our guests, um, can they, can people reach out to you on LinkedIn? Yeah. LinkedIn is a hundred percent. I mean, you'll find me, I'm posting on LinkedIn every day. It's yep. Jake Dunlap. So it's pretty simple, uh, forward slash Jake Dunlap. And then Twitter, uh, somewhat active, at Jake T. Dunlap. Um, and then, you know, you can find on my LinkedIn profile, you can find our Facebook and Instagram as well, too. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate that, man. Um, once again, uh, this has been uh, Workplace Evolved with, uh, with Jake Dunlap at Scaled. If you want to reach out to him, feel free. And uh, that's, uh, that's a wrap. Thank Workplace Evolved has been brought to you by Versature Business Phone Solutions. Thank you for listening. Join us again next Monday as we continue the conversations of how to keep the wind in your sails. A continued look into the development and evolution of high-performance sales organizations. 
and our chat with Arlene Anderson. She's the CEO at Sambat. It's a local company just outside of Ottawa that specializes in one specific handcrafted product, and it's been used by the likes of Barry Bonds, Joe Carter, Roberto Alomar. Of course, we're talking about baseball bats and specifically the Sambat. If you like what you heard today and you'd like to learn more about the show or any of the guests that we've had on the show, or perhaps there's something you'd like to hear that we haven't spoken about yet, you can always email us through our website at workplaceevolved.biz. My name is Hartley Parent, and until next time, keep evolving, Canada.